You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. How many of you like second chances? Man, I'm all in on second chances. When we fail, when we stumble, when we really mess things up, what, what we all want is second chances and what we're really grateful when they're granted. Would you agree with that? About, I don't know, a couple years ago, maybe it's not been quite that long, I had a, a really challenging day. I did a funeral for a young man who had taken his life. And funerals are always difficult with grief and sorrow. But under the particular circumstances, it was, a re- it was really a challenging day. As I got to the end of the day, I was like empty. Um, so I'm making my way home. And as I'm driving home, I'm just kind of lost in all of the events of the, ad- of the day, the emotion, thinking about the family, just kind of the whole process. And because I was just kind of lost in another world, I was not aware of um, how fast I was going until I saw the blue lights in the rearview mirror and all of a sudden I, I became awakened to what was happening around me and I got that sick feeling in the gut. Any of you have ever had that? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. That sick feeling. So I pulled off and dug my registration and driver's license out. I'd obviously been through this a couple times before and so I had it ready and when the officer walked up he took my information. The first question he asked me, he says, sir, are you in a hurry? And I said, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm not in a hurry. He says, well, then why were you speeding? He said, did you know you were going 50 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone? I said, I'm sorry, officer. I really had no idea. Honestly, I, I just wasn't aware. Uh, and I went on to tell him about the events of the day and kind of what I'd walked through in the day. And so he took my information back to his car, and it seemed like hours. You know, when you're sitting waiting, right? It's like, man, is, is this, what's he doing? What's he checking out? What's he trying to uncover? Finally, he makes his way up to, back up to my car, hands me my information, says, uh, Mr. Lemmings, I would ask that you be aware of the speed zones that you would slow down. That I'm not going to give you a ticket. Here's a warning ticket. Have a great day. How many of you know we love second chances, right? Now, here I was in my situation. Listen, I was guilty, lawbreaker. But I, I was caught in the act. I was breaking the law, 50 and a 35. He had me outright. But what did he give? He gave me a second chance. He gave me grace. Listen, this is what I know about not only myself, but this is what I know about everybody in the room today. We love second chances. We love it when grace is extended to us. Whether you're the student who bombed the test and the teacher says, hey, I'm going to give you another test. I'm going to give you a second chance. Or maybe you're the employee who just made like a dumb mistake, like the world's dumbest mistake that could ever be made. Cost the company thousands of dollars. How many of you know you're grateful when you get that second chance, right? Or maybe you're the one in the marriage relationship who made a horrible decision and it created a train wreck in the marriage relationship, a train wreck in the family. It's what I know, you're, you're looking for a second chance. You're grateful. You're grateful when the second chance is given. A.J. McCarron knows all about second chances. Maybe you're familiar with that name. If you're a sports fanatic, if you follow college football, you would probably recognize the name A.J. McCarron. He was... A gentleman who was a quarterback for Alabama led the team to two national titles. Uh, Now he's presently playing in the NFL for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, But it's quite amazing if you know his story that he's able to play sports at all. Or even that he's alive actually today. When he was five years old, he was badly hurt in a jet ski accident. It affected his, his skull, the side of his face, one eye as they rushed him 
to the hospital. Again, five years of age, the doctors told his mom um, he has two hours to live. Two hours. Well, he made it past the two hours and they came back in and said, you know, prognosis is still not good. If your son lives, if he survives this accident, he's probably going to have permanent brain damage. He's going to lose sight in one eye, uh, will always be challenged, disabled in his life. But AJ pulled through and actually he improved enough to become a world-class athlete who presently competes in the NFL and I told you that story to come to this line. I want you to listen to what A.J. McCarron wrote about his life and his situation. He says, God gave me a second chance. I was going to make the most of it. And I feel like I have. I don't take life for granted. Now, your story, my story may not be as dramatic as A.J. McCarron's or second chance opportunity. It may not even relate so much to, to physical life. To survival, but the truth is, is we've all been given second chances by God, and what we don't want to do is we don't want to take those for granted. Because of the resurrection and all that we celebrate here today, because of the fact that Jesus Christ arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave, we've been granted this privilege of second chances. Second chances. Today, there's grace available that's greater than our failures, our blunders, our mess up. There's grace that provides for us second chances. You know, this whole story is pretty amazing if you think about it. Max Licato, one of my favorite authors, wrote this statement in one of his books. I think it's there in your notes this morning. Listen to what he wrote. He says, Jesus was a backwater peasant. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never journeyed more than 200 miles from his hometown. Friends left him. One betrayed him. Those he helped forgot him. Prior to his death, they abandoned him. But after his death, they couldn't resist him. What made the difference? His death... And resurrection. Listen, folks, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the game changer. On Good Friday, it looked like it was all over. It looked like the religious leaders and the Roman soldiers had won as Jesus took his last breath on the cross. It looked like it was it was all over. But then the good news is this Sunday came. Sunday came and Jesus got up, defeated death, hell, and the grave, granting for us today the privilege of second second chances. You know, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, uh, is certainly a point of celebration. Certainly we should celebrate, but I would want you to understand this morning that the resurrection is the hinge point, what I would call the hinge point in history. And that as a result of the resurrection, our world has forever been changed. The Apostle Paul wrote of this great event. So here he is, he's looking back to the resurrection. This morning we're going to look to 1 Corinthians 15, not so much the resurrection event as recorded in the Gospels, but from Paul's perspective as he's looking back to the significance of the resurrection. And what we want to do this morning is we want to look at three individuals that are specifically named in the text. So as we read this passage of Scripture, I want you to look for the three men who are called by name who are referenced in this passage of scripture. We're going to talk about their lives this morning in relation to second chances, the second chance available to us because of the resurrection. So if you have your scripture there, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. We might say of great significance. I'll say, hey, here is a significant, here's a significant event in Christianity. 
that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then, notice verse 7, then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preached, and this is what you believe. Notice Paul wrote here that the, that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is of first importance, or it's of, it's of great significance. Why? Because it's through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have life today. That, that we have hope, that we have the privilege of, of relationship with God. Listen, folks, if there had been no resurrection, then Jesus would have just been a good man. A good man who brought some good teachings, a good man who uh, did a few miracles, a good man who died a martyr's death. Without the resurrection, our, our faith would be futile. There would be no foundation of which our faith could be built without the resurrection. That's why Paul would say, hey, this is a significant event. This is of first most importance. Matter of fact, if you look on down to verse 14, Paul wrote these words, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But there's no, again, no foundation for the faith. But the good news for us this morning is that Jesus did arise victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Listen, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a proven historical fact. And I'm not going to go into all of the details this morning. But I could give you fact upon fact as why the resurrection is a, a defined historical fact. But having knowledge of the fact alone will not bring you to a place of being in right relationship with God. It's got to get from your head to your heart. In other words, every one of us today, everyone in this room, you have to make a decision. Are you going to believe? Are you truly going to believe and embrace that of Christ's provision for your own life? Are you going to embrace the second chance that's available through the resurrection? For all of us today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that second chances are not earned. They're freely given. You cannot earn the second chance. Listen, you, you, you don't have to be good enough. You can't work hard enough for it. You can't go to church enough for it. Why? Because it's freely given. It's the wonder of God's grace. His grace available to us bringing what? Second chances. Do-overs. The privilege of being able to, to start again. We see this reality in, in the three men who were specifically mentioned in the scripture we read in, in 1 Corinthians 15. What the three men have in common, Peter, James, and Paul, what the three men have in common is they all needed a second chance. Listen, they're just like you and I. I may not even know you. I may have never met you before, but this is what I can tell you about you this morning, though I've never met you, is you need a second chance. But we all do. We're like Pete, James, and Paul. So so let's dig a little deeper into each of these men's story. First, let's start with, with Peter. He's the first one that's mentioned. There's Peter. 
Peter was like Jesus' number one disciple. If you don't know much about Peter, he was like a part of the inner circle. There was Pete, James, and John. Peter was a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. He had left the fishing business. He had left everything to follow Jesus. I mean, like he was all in, committed, sold out. So he was really wrecked one day when Jesus kind of foretold the future of what was going to happen. He says, Peter, um, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, come on, Jesus, you're talking to Pete. You know, how I'm all in. I'm committed. I'm sold out. Matter of fact, I am so committed to you. I would never deny you. I would die for you before I would deny you. Since we know the rest of the story, we know that when the pressure was on, what did Peter do? He denied Christ, right? Not once, not twice, three times. I don't know him. Never knew him. Scripture tells us, according to the Gospel of Luke, that when the rooster crowed, Peter realized what he had done. He had denied Jesus Christ. The Scripture says he went out and he wept bitterly. Here's this hard man, this grown man, weeping, sobbing bitterly. Why? Because of this huge failure, this train wreck that he just created. He did what he never wanted to do. So so what can we learn? What can we learn from Peter? Because I think we can all identify with Peter in his failure. What we can learn from Peter is this. God gives us grace in our failures. Because Peter's failure was not the end of the story. Peter's rejection did not mean that that like he was totally separated from God, that he, he had wrecked this relationship with Jesus Christ. And what we find is in Peter's failure, there was grace. There was this second chance. There was a second chance that was greater than his failure. Interesting. Mark chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus is resurrected on Sunday morning. The women are at the tomb. They're going to anoint his body. That's what they came for as part of the burial process. And they're encountered by, encountered by the risen Savior. And, and Jesus says to them, I want you to go tell the disciples. Check this out. Mark 16, 7. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Now let me ask you a question. Was Peter not a disciple? The answer is yes. I'm going to ask you the question again. (laughs) Was Peter not a disciple? Yes. Yes. Why would Jesus say, go tell the disciples and Peter? Because this is what Jesus knew, is that Peter thought his failure was final. Peter thought that his train wreck had created such of a problem that Jesus would never want anything to do with him again. So Jesus said, make sure you tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter was restored in relationship to Jesus with Jesus Christ. What he got second chance. Listen, this is what I want you to know this morning is God's grace is greater than your failure. God's grace is fa- greater than your train wreck, your screw up, whatever it would be in your life. And in that he gives us what he gives us, a second chance. My friends Jim and Lisa McTie certainly experienced this. I want you to listen as they tell their own story. The first year of our marriage was fantastic. Uh, We had the big house, Mercedes, BMW, great careers. Everything was going great. Uh, But then the rubber started hitting the road. It it got very complicated. We were blending a family, and uh, the kids were just 
always fighting. It was one being preferred over the other, and then we'd get against each other. And it was just one circumstance after another that just kept us all upset with each other. And then we had a newborn. We were sleep deprived, and we weren't 21 anymore. And it was just a lot of things culminating to the point that after two years, um, I decided that I just didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, finances was another issue. We had money, but we couldn't decide how to spend it. He was one way, I was another. It was I was used to my career. I had my money, his money, and we had just an attitude that mostly me, I have to say. Um, I probably thought, you know, I just didn't need him. I could do it on my own. And um, I hired a lawyer, and I got it done. Well, I was devastated. Uh, I thought I was going to die. And so uh, I thought the best thing for me to do was to just leave. So I started an advertising agency in Dallas, Texas with a, a couple other guys, and uh, I got out of the area. Well, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I kind of wanted to have him around, but when he made the decision to go, there was nothing I could do about it. And so I just... Uh, took my stubborn self and decided I can do this. I'm going to be a mom of these three kids and I'm going to handle it all on my own. And so I proceeded to stay working and being a single mom. And I remember this one particular night, um, I put the children to bed and I was in my room. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was crying all the time. I was serving television and uh, this man was speaking. He was actually giving a sermon. He was this tall, slender man and I didn't know him. And uh, whatever he was saying, I don't even recall the sermon, but it really moved my heart. And a repentance came in my heart that was so devastating that I just totally broke. And uh, I remember that night just repenting and repenting and asking God to forgive me. And that night he gave me a peace that I had a resolve that I, I was going to go forward with God, whether Jim ever came back to me or not. It's, uh, it's funny. Uh... Yes, I was engaged. Uh, I kept putting the date back and trying to think of, you know, can I go through with this? Um, I did love the other person, but I was in love with Lisa. And, you know, I, I, anyway, I um, decided to break it off. I just, uh, I, I couldn't go through with it. So uh, within a couple weeks, I got the guts to uh, call Lisa and I, it was a Saturday night and uh, I, when I called she answered the phone and I asked her what are you doing the rest of your life oh actually what are you doing tonight and she was cooking dinner for the kids and I, I said no what are you doing the rest of your life I told him well I, I want you to move back I want to reconcile with you but here's the thing you can't move back into the house if you come back you're gonna have to get your own place and if we reconcile this time, we're going to do it God's way. And he was totally on board with that. So I moved back to Nashville and got an apartment. And Lisa and I dated and we went to counseling for a year. We really courted me and we would, we'd have special dates and, and we didn't have a physical relationship. And that was really hard and it was very unique because we'd been married for two years before. But we knew it was right. We became committed to putting God first um, yeah. it, as a couple and also as individuals. So it, we, we matured, um, 
We've got some things behind us, and then we remarried in 1997. Uh, shortly after that, uh, in 1999, we moved to the Lake Norman area to Davison. And it was funny, we didn't know where we were going to go to church, and Jim came home one day and go, I think I found our church. We went the, the following Sunday, and uh, I'll never forget that, because I walked in the door, and there was a poster in the foyer. <laughs> And there was the tall, slender man, a picture of him, the man that I'd seen on TV that night when I was so desperate. And it was Jack Hayford. But it just proved to me one more time that God is so faithful. I couldn't have planned that. I had no way of knowing. And that no matter how far off track we get, God will always welcome us back. He used Jack Hayford to get me back on track. And... He is the God of second chances. Our lives haven't been without challenge, uh, neither our marriage, but our faith is what we always fall back on. Uh, God always sees us through. He always provides for us. And I'm just so happy that he gave me a second chance with my sweetheart. What a great story. You know, the good news for us today is that because of the resurrection, there's grace that's greater than our failures. There's grace that redeems and restores. Why don't you, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, hey, God's grace is greater than your failure. Go ahead and tell him. God's grace is greater than your failure. This is the second individual that's specifically mentioned in Paul's writing about the resurrection is James. If you look back to verse 7, the scripture says, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So who is James? Who's Paul referring to here? James was actually the stepbrother of Jesus. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be the stepbrother of Jesus? I mean, what we know from biblical history is that Joseph and Mary had Jesus, obviously conceived of the Holy Spirit, um, but they had Jesus, and then they had other children. They had a family, and one of their boys would have, been, would have been James. Now, can you imagine the pressure of James that James had growing up with the older brother being Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who never sinned? Think about that. Knowing a little bit about parents and how parents interact with their kids, I'm quite certain, though I can't prove this, I'm quite certain that probably James heard several times from his mom and dad, come on, James, can't you just be like Jesus, right? I mean, that's a pretty high standard to be set. But interesting in this account, it said, went to the apostles and, and then specifically to James. Now, James being the stepbrother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, certainly would have heard some of his teachings, I, I would assume, heard some, at least some of the stories about his brother, maybe even seen some of the miracles, yet, yet he didn't believe. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. He had questions. He needed proof. So, so what, can we, what can we learn from 
from James. I believe it's this. God gives proof for our doubts and unbelief. In other words, he comes to us in the points and places of our questions. And we're trying to analytically figure this thing all out. And he gives us grace in our questions. Listen, if you have questions this morning, can I tell you, your questions do not offend God. If you're still trying to put the pieces together... To say, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I don't know about resurrection, death, coming back to life. And maybe you're in that place. And you're today just trying to kind of put the pieces together. Now I would say you're like, you're like James. In the midst of that, what God gives us proof. Proof for our doubts. Proof for our unbelief. He's faithful to meet us in the struggles of unbelief. And He'll reveal truth to us. As we're open to hear. Listen, salvation doesn't come by knowledge. Salvation comes by us believing. It's not like I get smart enough to get saved. Or I get enough facts together that I get saved. No, salvation is about what happens in your heart. We believe and we receive. We receive that of Christ in our lives. But what do we, what do we learn from, from James is, is this. God gives us proof for our doubts. And our unbelief. And then we come to this third individual that's specifically mentioned in the text, and it's Paul. Paul actually writes about his own experience. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Paul. If you're not familiar with Paul, before Paul was Paul, he was actually called Saul. And he was a Christian killer. I mean, like that was his resume. He was a man who was very legalistic, following after the law, and he was an individual who killed Christians. And if you were to talk with Paul before he had this encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, he would have said, hey, I've got it all together. My life, I'm, I mean, I, I'm good with God because I'm following all the rules. I'm doing all that I'm supposed to do, checked off all the boxes. Matter of fact, interesting, in the book of Philippians, Paul writing of his own life, speaking of his own legalistic righteousness. Listen to what he wrote. If anyone thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as the legalistic righteousness, faultless. In other words, before Paul had this encounter with Jesus. He saw himself as faultless, like I've got it all together. What was he? He was deceived. How many of you know none of us have it all together? Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you don't have it all together. Go ahead and tell him. Now, don't do it with like a smile on your face, right? But it's true. Listen, none of us, none of us have it all together. But that's where Paul was at. He thought he had it all together. But what he came to discover is that he needed a Savior. Here's the good news. God pursued Saul in his deception. He was deceived. He was misled. He was misguided. So what God pursued Saul, who became Paul, to give him a, a second chance. And I think God does the same for us today. Because of the resurrection, when we have second chances and God pursues us in our deception. Possibly you're here today and, and you've been deceived and, and you're going in the wrong path and you're headed in the wrong direction. Maybe you're like Paul, thinking that your good works are enough. And I'll tell you today, they're not. Maybe you, 
You've been deceived into chasing titles and positions and power and wealth, thinking that it's going to bring you fulfillment and they want whatever that stuff is. It won't bring you the ultimate fulfillment you're looking for in life. Maybe you've been deceived to think you can make it on your own without God, but I'm here to tell you today you can't. It's not possible. Hear me, friends. It's not possible to live well and finish well without Jesus Christ in your life. Don't be deceived. Paul was deceived, yet God sought him out to bring grace to him in his deception. See, the problem with deception is it can take us down the wrong road and lead us to the wrong actions. But listen, there's no road that's too far from God's pursuit. God pursuing you in your deceived state, what to bring you to a place of, of embracing this second chance. Listen, friends, no matter where you, where you are, no matter what you've done, the great news of the resurrection is that there's second chances. The great news of the resurrection is this. God never gives up on us. Amen. Tell your neighbor this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, God's not giving up on you. Go ahead and tell him. Some of you need to hear that this morning. God's not giving up on you. He's not thrown in the towel. He's not finished with you. Their God is the God of second and third and fourth chances. Because of the resurrection today, we can receive grace that's greater than our questions. We can receive grace that's greater than our failures. We can see, receive grace that's greater than our deceptions. Hey, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of the Virgin Mary and lived a sinless life. He was crucified and resurrected so that we might have second chances. Jesus gave His life. That we might have life. But for every individual today, you have a decision to make. Will you receive the life Jesus offers? Will you be willing to receive the second chance? True story. 1829. Going back in history. The year 1829. Two men. George Wilson and James Porter robbed the U.S. mail carrier. Both were captured and they were tried in a court of law. May In May of 1830, both men were found guilty of six charges, including robbery of the mail and, and uh, the danger of the life of a mail carrier or, or the in, individual delivering the mail. Both Wilson and Porter received their sentences, execution by hanging, to be carried out on July the 2nd. Well, as history records this event, Porter was executed on schedule, but Wilson was not. So it happened that George Wilson had some right friends in right places. He had some influential friends who had a connection to President Andrew Jackson. So they went to President Jackson and they, they pleaded for mercy on behalf of George Wilson. Said, you know, he's not really that bad of a guy. Uh, poor decision, bad mistake why don't you give him a second chance? And so President Andrew Jackson gave George Wilson a pardon, gave him a second chance. So here's a man who is to be hanged to death, yet he's given the second chance. Incredibly, incredibly, George Wilson refused the pardon. He refused, he refused the second chance. So now they didn't know what to do. I mean, the President of the United States is given a, a second chance the man who's guilty has refused a second chance, so they went back to the Supreme Court. And Chief Justice Marshall wrote these words. Listen as I read this. A pardon is an act of grace proceeding from the power entrusted with the execution of the laws. 
But delivery is not complete without acceptance. Let me read that last line again. But delivery is not complete without acceptance. George Wilson was executed. He was hanged to death because he refused the pardon. He refused the second chance. Today, today you're offered a pardon. You're offered a second chance. Just like George Wilson. And just as George Wilson had a decision, so you have a decision today. You can accept the second chance and have life. You can reject the second chance and receive death. The choice is yours. To choose life, to choose the second chance, or to choose death, reject the second chance. Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you this morning for this day that we celebrate, the day of resurrection, the day of life, the day of second chances. And God, what I know this morning is that for myself, for everyone here, we need second chances. We need that of your grace in our lives. So we are grateful today, God, that you so loved us, that you sent your son to die on a cross, that we might live, that we might have a second chance, that we might have pardon, that we might be forgiven. That we might have a do-over. We so need that. So, Lord, we, 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 we come grateful this morning for your rescue, for your provision, for your grace that's greater than our failures, for your grace that, that seeks us out in the points of our questions, that your grace that seeks us out in places of deception, that you continue to pursue us, that you might give us, God, a second chance. We're grateful for that this morning. I'm going to ask if you would stand with me this morning, the balcony on the main floor. I'm going to ask our prayer teams if they would come in the balcony on the main floor. If you would stand over to the wings, that would be great to give us some room here at the front. Today, every one of us are like George Wilson. You can, you can check that out, 1829. Just Google this, the man who, re, who rejected the pardon. And you, you can read his story. But every one of us this morning are in the same place George Wilson was at. Though it's not the President of the United States that's granting us a pardon, it's the God who created the heavens and the earth. It's the God who has the ability to grant us life. So today, you're like George Wilson. Are you going to accept the pardon or reject the pardon? Again, to accept his life, to reject his death. Your choice. This morning, as we conclude, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Possibly you're here today and you say, hey, I need that second chance. You're here today and you're saying, hey, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I've never made that decision. Listen, that's the reason Jesus came. That's the reason he died. That's the reason he got up on the third day. It's so that you could have life, that you could have a second chance. 
Maybe you're thinking, I've, I've so messed my life up. Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with me. Listen, His grace is greater than your mishaps and your mistakes and your screw-ups. He loves you outrageously. So if you need to respond this morning, and, and you know, I could make it really simple. Raise your hand, pray a prayer with me. But this way, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. If Jesus walked the road to Calvary to take the cross for us, it's not too much to ask you to walk the aisle. If you're here today and you say, hey, I need a second chance. I need to open my life to the wonder of God's grace. We have leaders in the balcony here on the main floor. And as we sing this song of worship this morning, I want to invite you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, or you need to make your way back, you kind of got deceived and you've been on the wrong road, headed in the wrong direction, I'm going to ask you as we sing this song, be courageous. Step out of the aisle. Just tell your neighbors around, hey, excuse me, I need to go get my second chance. They'll make room for you. I'm going to ask you to make your way out. Come to see one of these leaders. Give them an opportunity to talk with you, pray with you this morning. If you're making a decision for Christ, we have a Bible. We have some material we want to give you today. But again, it's really simple. I'm going to make this as simple as I can. Today, it's either accept or reject. It's life or death, folks. It's that simple. Second chance is available. It's your call.